morning. Small group this morning, huh? Some devotees had to leave, I think, last night. So, should I ask questions? Questions? people who um, in their piety for different reasons with different motivations turn to him and to bhakti and um, you want to know the difference between those who are seekers and those who are knowers jignasu and jnani So you want to know the difference. You want to understand it. You want to understand. You want to understand the difference between the two terms. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there's four, as, as and you brought this up the other day in your question as well, and um, they're uh, coming from uh, uh, different uh, influences of nature. Um, with regard to the seeker and the knower, of course, they're on the higher end. Hmm? Those who are coming for material gain, uh, those who are coming to get free from material distress, are coming uh, out of uh, influences that, uh, of the lower nature. Hmm? And um, interestingly, this may help to somewhat, although I'll elaborate beyond it, um, to give you an example of the two, Taku Bhakti Vinod penned a book that you're, you've all heard of, entitled Jaiva Dharma. And there are two principal um, uh, devotees in the book. Um, uh, what are their names? Um, Jaiva Dharma. What? Vijay Kumar and Prajanath and Vijay Kumar. Which one is which? That's important because one is it? No, actually, actually. Sometimes it is thought one was a jignas was a jnani, but I think but they're both are jig, uh, inquirers, not jnanis. Um, so you can um, see, at any rate, coming from that motive, 
then they could take the bhakti very uh, readily. Hmm. Um, but at any rate, uh, it's one difference, uh, one thing to seek and another thing to know. One is seeking to know, the other knows, right? So the, the inquisitive seeker is differentiated in this case from the knower who Krishna describes further in that section of the Gita as being very dear to him. Hmm. And um, what did he say? Vasudeva Sarvameti. Hmm. So, um, uh, your question is, one seeking to know, the other one already knows, if one already knows what's, what's left. So, the point is that, that knowing here means he knows the self, mm-hmm. and the self can be known by uh, the influence of Sadhguna. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lengthy debate in Vriyat Bhagavatamrita between the uh, Bhakti Shastra and the Gan Shastra. And um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the limitations of Gyan in comparison to Bhakti are highlighted, but Gyan keeps coming back with a reply, with a reply, with a reply. And finally, um, it is admitted by Sanatana Goswami that it's possible to attain self-realization without bhakti. So, after a lengthy argument, the text seems to cave in to the idea that, well, okay, it's true, you can attain self-realization by jnana. Jnana is governed by sattva. Karma is governed by jnana. Or, excuse me, karma is governed by rajas governed by Rajas. Right? So then, um, Sanatana goes on to say, however, so what? More or less. If you're going to attain self-realization by jnana, without bhakti, so what? It is like coming in second. It's like you got to the, I'll use an example from American football, uh, forgive me, uh, but if you get to the one, one yard line in the last minute of the game and you're so close you just have to go one yard to win, but you don't win, you're, what do they call you? A loser. So. So self-realization is unto itself is a losing position because the goal is to attain Brahman. So one may know the self, but but not attain Brahman. That requires the ingress of bhakti. So to you can get a passport, but that's one thing. But in order to, but you need a visa also. Visa comes from the other side. Passport you can get from your own country. You're, you're ready to go. Hmm? But now you need permission from the, from the other country to enter. Right? 
cannot go to the United States from Poland yet without a visa. Right? So to, to enter the Nirguna, you need a grant, gracious grant from the other side. You need the ingress of bhakti. But Satvaguna can take you just to the penultimate state. Like Ajivan Mukta. So that's why Bhagavatam makes the point that if you can attain um, a state of Jivan Mukti, means liberated in this body, the body being the Parabdu Karma, just now expiring. Hmm? But if you don't take to Bhakti, if there's no Bhakti in the equation of your sadhana, it, uh, you won't attain Brahman if that is your goal in a Gyanmar. Many the different types of Gyanis, but many of them uh, desire Sayujamukti. So Sayujamukti can be attained, but you need grace to attain it. So if you, if you come in second place, you're a loser. Hmm. So point being that there's something to be attained beyond the attainment of the Gyani that's being spoken of. In, in, in the Gita because he's saying that the Gyanis also take shelter of me. Taking shelter of me, the Gyanis they, they, they come to realize Vasudev Saramiti they can attain transcendence. Hmm? And of course if they offend Bhakti even if they are Jivan Mukta then Aruyakachjena Param Param Tata Patanti Adho Again they they fall, they, they fall down from that position. So they could go so high and come down. Moving within the modes, uh, that's basically what we do. Even if you move to self-realization, within the modes, that position is not one of permanent standing. And there's no permanent standing within the material world, even that of the Jivan Mukta. Videha Mukti means beyond the body, to enter into Nirguna, that's that's any version of that. Whether it be Brahma Sayuja, whether you attain Bhakunta, whether you attain Ayodhya, Dwarka, Matura, Golok, there's no return. Hmm? Going beyond the modes, there's no return. Hmm? Within the modes, we keep moving up and down, up and down, go to heaven, come down. Now this that's within 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 karma mark, within gyan mark, you can attain self-realization and you could come down. Or you could hover there for quite some time. If you offend bhakti, then definitely you'll fall down from there. Hmm? No falling from Brahman. Who is to fall where? Hmm? There's no falling from there. Hmm? It's not a desirable position from vantage point bhakti, but it is a liberated status. In order to attain Krishna says in Gita, in this, in many places it is mentioned, without bhakti, it's not possible. So you can be a seeker hmm, and take to bhakti. You could be a jnani and take to bhakti. That's a, that's a, if you're a jnani, in the sense in which we're talking about and take to bhakti, then the progress can be very rapid. Bhakti then doesn't have to first cleanse the heart. Jnani has a clean heart. Hmm. He's a knower. Well, he does, knower means he, he doesn't have any material desires. No attachment. Hmm? 
vairagya and jnana, they're, they're, they correspond. If you know, then you're detached. And if you don't know, then you pursue happiness through acquisition, through attachment, and so forth. So half of the equation of mukti is to let go hmm, the attachments. The other half is to have um, positive standing um, in relation to that, uh, to the paravyo, to the other side. Right. So. Um, So it's possible, um, but uh, there's something still to be desired hmm, for the jnani. Krishna says the jnanis are dear to me because um, they, in the sense that they know the self, they're not interested in things, they don't know the self, and then they take shelter of me. So if a jnani takes shelter of me, well, he's going to be closer to me than if an inquirer or someone trying to be free from material stress or someone in pursuit of material acquisition takes shelter of me. They're going to be close to me because there's no desires, material desires, in between them and me. Now, for the, for the inquirer or the seeker, it's also similar. There's not much in between himself or herself and, and Krishna, but the distance there is the actual knowing of the self. So if you want to enter into the fire, you have to become a flame. Right, in order to um, uh, prevail there um, or to exist there. If you want to enter into uh, uh, Brahman, you have to become Brahman like. And the Atma is Brahman like. Hmm. So, that help? Yes. Yeah. What else? As I mentioned, uh, this is a su- suggestion of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Creative. Um, listen to Krishna Leela, recall Krishna Leela, and the occasional Leelas, um, which are, for example, in particular, the slaying of the demons. Look at them metaphorically in this way as a means to overcome Anarthas. Um, do so by meditating on the Leela, which is a very positive, so the best defense is, is a good offense. And, of course, 
uh, other than removing the anarthas through such a uh, such introspection and uh, contemplation of the lila, uh, uh, something more uh, is derived as well. Hmm? So the positive side is, like I said, it's it's an it's an offense. I don't mean offense, but it's an offense instead of a defense. So you're hearing about Krishna, so you're developing some samskar for hearing about Krishna, liking Krishna, and so forth. So there's more to be gained, art to perviti, than just art and on art the nivriti. Um, now, if I understand that your question is, what's to be attained in Gaur Leela, and are there any Leelas that exemplify uh, an artas that you could look at in the same way and, and so forth? I mean, you could creatively, I suppose, um, uh, uh, do that to some extent. With regard to the, the goal, you did mention um, in Gaur Leela to enter the, um, the, the, the Kirtan at Sribasangam. Yeah, this is the goal. We uh, we see that there are uh, all of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, have corresponding relationships with um, with uh, with Krishna. Mm-hmm. And now in this Leela, Gaur Leela, they are present. They have those same relationships with Krishna in Gaur Leela. But in relation to Gore, they have a relationship as well in Dasi Bhakti. Hmm? Um, and so, Dasi Bhakti to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? the cultivation of that, um, will uh, foster relative door association, a corresponding relationship with Krishna in Sakya or Madhurya, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some say it said Bhakti says some prefer Gaurila, some prefer Krishna Lila. But the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is well, our Krishna, Gaurila is an extension of Krishna Lila. So if you want to enter Krishna Lila, you have to enter Gaurila as well. And of course Gaurila is the means to enter Krishna Lila. So two sarups. Mm-hmm. Dasya Bhakti, Sarupasami is a Brahmin boy in Gorlila, and he's the handmaiden of Radha in in Krishna Lila. Right? So there's your your goal, your art of poverty. And you know, you look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Leelas, uh, you know, you take uh, the various uh, um, associates of Kamsa who attack the uh, Krishna in, in Braj. And they're all kind of summed up in one person in Gaur Leela. Hmm. Very uh, easily dealt with by Mahaprabhu. That means to say that uh, if you think Perlambasura was bad, if you think that Agasura was bad, if you think that um, Denukasura was bad, if you think that Putana was bad, how bad was Kamsa? They were all working on for him, right? They were so he was a pretty bad guy. Uh, apparently, his brother was pretty bad too. We heard about him this morning. Arson. So, uh, so who is Kamsa then in Gorlila? That is, is the uh, uh, the Chandkasi, 
Chandkazi. So Chandkazi, he opposed the Kirtan, right? And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu dealt with him very uh, effectively, didn't he? And uh, of course, it's Gorlila, so he wasn't killed, he was converted. And even to this day, in, uh, in that area, the Muslims, they honor Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Vaishnavism, and, and uh, so forth, the relatives and the lineage of the Chandakazi. So he was a big opponent of Kirtan. And what is Kirtan in Gorlila? It is the very wealth of Golok. It's, it's Prem hmm, coming in the form of Sankirtan. This was the method to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's madness. So going against the current of Braj Bhakti as it manifests in Gaurila in the form of Kirtan, Chandakazi. And um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu dealt with him with the help of Nishinga Bhagavan. <laughs> Nishinga Bhagavan, the Kijagis. Hmm? Did you say him? who is a very special manifestation of of Krishna we probably shouldn't go into that in in detail but uh, so there is an example right you can pack them all in there (laughs) and um, there may be other um, you you can extend the number of anarthas are not limited to those listed in in various books and so forth. So, impediments, uh, the impediment of, of, of let's say, of um, pedantry and uh, um, just uh, collecting collecting uh, knowledge from the scriptures and just keeping it in your head and not using your head to soften your heart. The problem. When we meet devotees like that, they collect information. They collect information, and they they tend to collect it in kind of a black and white way because they've got a good memory or something like that. And they're thinking they know as if thinking makes that so. But doesn't. You have to go beyond thinking to know. Thinking gets in the way of actually knowing, right? Because that which is the knower who is to be known is beyond the mind, beyond the intellect. So you need a transrational method to, to, uh, to uh, experience the self. The self does not answer to the intellect because it's inferior to the self. So, but we can deceive ourselves by collecting knowledge and regurgitating it. And other people think we know and we become proud. And so in Gorilla we find a kind of a similar example in, say, let's say, Keshav Kashmiri. He knew so much, right? And um, he came to town and he was asked by the young Nehemiah Pandit, his circle of friends on the bank of the Jamuna, who were his students, Krishnadas Kavi or Vrindavandas Thakur says, Oh, what can I compare this, this scene to? I could compare Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, Mahaprabhu to Brihaspati, the, 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 the guru of the gods, but the comparison is not apt because Brihaspati is biased towards the gods and against the devas, but this, this Nimai Pandit 
gives to everybody. Hmm? And uh, he goes on, he makes a couple of examples that I can't recall. I could compare him to this, but it doesn't match. I could compare him to this, but it doesn't match. But there's one comparison, he says, I could think of. Hmm? Along the bank of the Jamuna, Krishna sitting with his friends, hmm? <laughs> taking lunch. Here they are in Gorlila, the students. And, uh, and it's another example. We give an example the other day. In Krishna Lila, there's no need for knowledge. Hmm? Just like in a very powerful, powerful country, there's no need for tanks and missiles to be paraded around. They're hidden. If the country's attacked, they show up. But if they're always going up and down the streets, it's intimidating for the, for the residents themselves, right? So in Vrindavan, knowledge is sub, subsumed. It's, 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 it's underground. And everyone appears ignorant of the scriptures to some extent. They're not jnanis. Um, and if the Durvas comes, they offer him respect and, and so forth. Even though their position is much more exalted, they don't say, we are rock bhaktas, who are you? They don't stay like that. No. No. So, um, um, so, what's the point? So, so um, uh, so, hmm? yeah, I know that part, but that's not. So, um, anyway, so, um, there are, this is a problem we see in devotees that they collect uh, information and uh, they think they've gone somewhere by that and they get a big they get a big head and their heart becomes smaller and they become proud because with knowledge comes pride mm-hmm. therefore Gyan Shunya Bhakti is, 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 is without any pride this is Bhakti Gyan Shunya Bhakti uncumbered by by knowledge mm-hmm. um, so uh, so so point is what there was Krishna sitting on the bank of the Ganges, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with his students. And Vrindavan Das says, this reminds me of, if there's anything that this could be compared to this scene, it's so beautiful. It could only be this, Krishna sitting on the bank of the Jamuna with his friends. And, and there he, he expresses a longing to enter into that scene hmm? by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu. So there the Krishna in Vrindavan, um, he's not a big pundit, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, when Brahma saw him in that situation, he didn't even know the etiquette for for eating, right? Eating with his left hand and putting it in someone else's mouth and taking it out. He didn't know the vidhi, hmm? what to speak of the of, of, of the knowledge that the vidhi is in pursuit of, the rules are in pursuit of. He appeared. Hmm? When he first appeared before Krishna, before Brahma at the dawn of creation, he appeared with the Gyan Mudra, giving the blessing. Hmm? Sitting in Virasan uh, or Sukhasan and, and giving a blessing, parting the mantra. So although he was dressed as a gopa, he was uh, otherwise appearing as a, as a guru figure. Now Brahma was coming during the Brahma Vimohan Lila by Krishna's arrangement. And he's seeing, and he can't. He think maybe this is an imposter. Looks like my guru, but the way he's acting, 
I don't know, this could be a problem. Hmm? So he wanted to test it and so forth. Right? So anyway, the point is that in Vrindavan, we made this point the other day, then the knowledge is underneath the ground and it will come out. So in due course, of course, Krishna showed his knowledge, his Aishvarya's power and so forth to Brahman and enlightened him and then everything returned back to just simple Krishna standing there in the village going, who are you? <laughs> uh, right? So, so, but when that Krishna Leela, uh, when the persons of that Leela come to this world where there's a need for knowledge in order to establish what is the position beyond knowledge? Hmm? And we see that the Brajbasis have so much knowledge. So here's Gore, who is Krishna, hmm? and he's teaching his students. At Keshava Kashmir, he comes, he's the biggest pundit, and he goes everywhere and debates and defeats people in this debates. And, and um, Mahabharata pays his respect and says, Panditji, could you please recite some verses? In glorification of Mother Ganga. So the pundit, his chest swells up and just spontaneously, you can imagine, spontaneously he composed a hundred verses in glorification of the Ganges. It's an extraordinary, uh, just to show how much he knew and how meaningless his knowledge was. <laughs> and Mahaprabhu said, I think in the 64th verse you said this. And the pundit, how could he repick, How could he even remember even one of the verses? I said them like the flowing of the Ganges itself. Hmm? And he's just a student of grammar. And Mahaprabhu said, I think that you made a problem here from and he's, in, in the composition, grammatically speaking, and, uh, and uh, so forth. And the pundit was shocked. Hmm? He stood corrected. He went to bed. He couldn't sleep. He thought, Goddess Saraswati has let me down. So I must have offended her. <laughs> and then she showed, no, he is my deity. That Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself. And so, anyway, so there's another um, anartha, right, if you will. The, you have to avoid letting the, the um, scriptural knowledge which is meant to fortify and spiritualize the intellect so that the intellect can be effective and strengthened in its task of controlling the mind and controlling the senses rather than, be, than being compromised by the mind and senses to work and scheme how to better fulfill one's sensual and mental fantasies, urges, desires. So you have to look and see when you're scheming how to fulfill your material desires and your intellect is being used for animal purposes hmm? and not for the purpose that it's designed to distance you from animality, to take you in the direction of spirituality hmm? because it can receive the uh, scriptural uh, knowledge and be fortified and spiritualized thereby. The Gita is like a spiritualization of the intellect and if you successfully read it and understand it then you can enter from the from the spiritualized intellect to the spiritualized 
heart of the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is like the theological sequel of the Gita, right? So first you spiritualize your intellect, and then you're not uh, deviated by mind and senses, and, and you can enter into the heart of the affair, and have a taste, and so forth. So I think Prabhupada called the Bhagavad the civilization of the spiritual intellect and the Bhagavatam need to the spiritual civilization, uh, something like that, so the, of the spiritual intellect in Bhagavatam, the, the civilization of the, uh, I don't know, I forget. But anyway, you get the point, right? So that's why in order to cross into the, the higher end of bhakti, ruchi, asakti, and then into bhav, one has to come to nishta. So nishta is an interim kind of goal. And Nishta's character is Nasta Prayeshu Bhagavishu Nityum Bhagavata Seva. You have to use your intellect to study the Bhagavatam. You have to use your intellect to study the Gita carefully. What is the argument? What is it saying? And so forth. And in this way, as I say, the, the, the intellect becomes fortified and better equipped to deal with you know, the task at hand that differentiates me from the animal species. Hmm? It's not just having an intellect that dis- differentiates, it, differentiates, from the, differentiates us from the animal species, but using it hmm, for something other than what the animals do without the need of the intellect. They do fine as far as eating, sleeping, mating, defending. They figure it all out. It all works. Hmm. So we were to use the intellect for something more than that, right? So then you got to, so the, you then. But the task is not just to collect information, remember it, chew on it, spit it out, and think you're important. The task is to get that knowledge with your intellect, understand how little you know. If you're doing it right, you're becoming more and more humble. And you're using that knowledge, to say, using your head to soften your heart. So. And we see, I've seen devotees sometimes that don't do it. So there's an example in the case of Kashmir or other uh, conquering conquests of, of Mahaprabhu, get the Mayavad out, uh, you know, Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya or Prakashananda Saraswati. You can look at some of the leelas of Mahaprabhu uh, in, in, in this way, perhaps. That's the answer to your question, right? Yeah. Yes. Guru Maharaj, uh, we've been listening to your description of Kaliya, Ramanalila in the morning, so it's been very profound. I have a question in regard to, to Krishna Lila and understanding Krishna Lila uh, with the kind of modern or postmodern sensibilities that we, we have today. There are some things that are kind of jarring to us, and, and one is violence. I noticed that in your description today, you had toned that down very much. In the Bhagavatam, Kaliya is vomiting and bleeding. And, yeah, I do that. And, and, and <laughs> demons, yeah. de- demons, they soil themselves, and there's a lot of gore and blood. And, uh, and also another thing, of course, which didn't come out here, but that comes out in other Leelas is, especially with Madhuryalas, they are so much younger than they're supposed to be from a modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. And also things like uh, the gopis thinking, madhupana, and getting wasted. 
So, so what was it getting uh, wasted? Blinking. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Power on. So, yeah. So, so these things, they're kind of jarring to, to modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But uh, can, can we describe the Leela in, in a way which would then be, be kind of easier to grasp for? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And actually, um, some of the Goswami's writings have done that. If you look, for example, I mean, an example would be, um, well, first of all, uh, let's take, uh, take Gopal Champu. Gopal Champu is Goswami's retelling of the Prakat Leela. And, you know, he goes through the different demons, but they're, 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 they're like, it's, it's like even the chapter about the slaying of the demon is really about something else. And that's part of it, and then, then move on. It's not, you know, brought out in so much detail necessarily, and and it's kind of toned down. And it's just, after all, it's occasionally. If you go to Vrindavan Das's Lilamrita or Vishnuvati Thakur's uh, Krishna Bhavanamrita, there's demons aren't even mentioned. In Sanatan's work, Priyat Bhagavatamrita, uh, Keshi demon becomes a pony that the coward boys can ride upon. And Gopal Shampo as well. Um, and uh, and Arista becomes, uh, you know, a bull that pull carts and they become tamed and part of the... And so they, they seem to have done that themselves at, at that time, which is thousands of years, arguably, after the Bhagavatam itself was, was written. And so, you know, these are the tellings, these are the Leela narratives, are the expression of the of advanced devotees of, of Bhava, of Rati, um, um, by way of employing poetic uh, device and sensibilities. If any language, as I often say, is most suitable to describe something that transcends language, it's poetry, which extends the boundaries of the natural physical world, right? Poetry is poetry, as I often say, the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. It's not a problem if it's a poetic book. So poetry tends to extend the physical world, which is exactly what the Atma is seeking, and making the material world bigger, because I just don't quite fit in it, as small as I am. If the Atma is, um, you know, is, is said to be one ten thousandth tip of a hair, well, the whole material world is not big enough for it. It doesn't fit. It's a, it doesn't fit. We're trying to, constantly trying to adjust it, make it larger, make it broader, make it more accommodating, um, and, and so forth. So poetry tends to do that with the world. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a suitable language or genre of writing, let's say, to, um, to try, try to express that which transcends language, thoughts, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so we have the legal narratives and, and the details of them may be told differently at different times, um, um, all for the purpose of bringing out the bhava that they're trying to express. Um, and I, I might have mentioned this the other day, that, that in, in secular rasa theory, then poetry um, is, uh, through poetry, one can experience rasa. But Rupa Goswami clearly states that poetry is not, um, you cannot taste bhakti rasa through poetry. But 
if you, you can only taste it through rati, through attaining rati, through attaining bhava. Hmm? But if you have rati, then you can express it through poetry. Then that poetry becomes a secondary means for attaining rati or bhava. You understand? Because now it's empowered by that. Hmm? So these statements, these little narratives of these devotees, we take them seriously because of who writes them, who explains them, and 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 we also don't take them literally in terms of every detail. Um, I don't mean that in a, a Dwaitan way. In a Dwaitan way, you know, there is no lila. In, in, in ultimate reality, there is no form of Krishna, there's no interaction, there's nobody there. Hmm? Um, but in bhakti, then we say they're not literal in that they, they, they don't fully, they're not able to fully express what is the nature of Leela. Within the school of the Chintya Beta Beta, you understand there has to be Leela. If you understand the Chintya Beta Beta, well, there has to be Leela. That's the whole idea in the Paravyam. Hmm? And so this is a way of talking about that Leela and relative to the manifestation of it within the world hmm? in the Prakat Leela that, that, that Krishna brings to the world and gives us a, you know, a, a, like a trailer, I said, you know, to the movie of the Leela in, uh, in all of its uh, Technological wonder <laughs> uh, in, in the in the in Aprakat. So, yeah. So the telling of it is really an expression of bhava, and and you know it, it's a very this is very extraordinary theologically speaking. This is a very extraordinary thing the Leela narrative because we are emotional beings. Hmm? We say that we're rational beings, but we're really emotional beings. And uh, if you become rational being, then okay, then you 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 become you're no longer human, right? In other words, if you control your mind and your senses, that's superhuman. If you can if you can harness lust, greed, and avarice, now objectively speaking, you're supernatural in human dress, right? If people want to know where's God, where's supernatural, we point to Sadhu. He's supernatural. He's conquered over lust, he's conquered over greed, avarice, jealousy, but uh, no need to move, content. So their subjective experience that they tell us about has credibility because objectively we can see that that they themselves are supernatural. so to speak, right? So, um, forgive me, I'm a little tired, but what was the, what was the point there? Uh, hmm? Emotional beings. So, so if we become really super, if we become rational to the fullest extent, then we understand the limits of reason, we employ transrational practices such as hearing and chanting, and we become supernatural. Right? But otherwise, humans are emotional beings. Therefore, we say, I know, but I feel like this. I know, yes, I know, but here I go. Um, so, 
Krishna Leela is so extraordinary, theologically speaking, because I don't know of any other tradition in which the Godhead is presented in such a way that he, these emotional beings, humans, can bond with the Godhead with the entire, almost the entire range of human emotions. Let me give you an example. In Christianity, you can bond with Jesus with the emotion of guilt. <laughs> because the story is that he did this for us. Oh, God, I should feel guilty for, you know, not that oh, I was like this and therefore he had to undergo that. And there's a bond. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's, uh, compared, well, anyway, compared to Krishna Leela, you can bond. Whenever you tell us the story of Krishna Leela, then there's some point in it, Leela, that his, the bhava, human, human-like bhava is expressed, and we just, yeah, I did that. I felt like that. I knew that. Yeah, you think you're there, so you, you make a bond with him. This is very, very powerful. Therefore, it's so easy comparatively to get samskara for, for, for bhakti in relation to Krishna, more so than Vishnu. Hmm? Any other Vishnu avatar, hmm? with Ram also to some extent, but with Krishna, much more. Even the romantic sentiments, and so on and so forth. So this is a, a very uh, extraordinary uh, theological uh, contribution to the world, and in, in, in arguably um, superior, uh, superlative, let's say, means of making the connection, and, and from where we are, hmm? from where we are in our emotional uh, sensibilities and so forth. Hmm? So does Krishna appear in human society? I guess so. Maybe you can't figure it out historically, but here he is. <laughs> Hear the story expressed from one devotee's heart to, to, to another, and he enters that heart and there's a bond and this is where Krishna Leela is taking, taking place. It's part of the, 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 it's manifest in the material world. Where did it begin when we say Krishna came? Where? Can you find that? In history, we don't find any remnants of this or that. Whatever. whatever. That's not the last word in what happens in the world either. We see Krishna is in the world, in the hearts of devotees, and they're talking about him. And it's always, they're always, they're always sadhakas in the world. The current of bhakti is always in the world. Krishna is always in the world. Krishna Leela is always in the world. And, and, and it's very easy to bond with, to make a connection. Hmm? Bond means samskar. When, when you get that, oh, oh, that's very cute. That means really affecting you emotionally. Hmm? Hmm? Samskars are not so easy to come by. They are a collection of vrittis. So that when they collect like why like vrittis form a samskar and then an impression. Hmm? So anyway, so this is the beauty of, uh, of Krishna Lila. So yeah, so it can be retold in, 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 in so many ways. And obviously the, uh, the teller is going to be sensible to the sensibilities of the audience and as far as possible to um, employ a poetic device, whatnot, literary device to um, take out what might have been prominent 
feature uh, previously in relation to a different cultural setting and sensibilities and so forth. This is an important uh, point because you can't just say, oh, another kalpa for everything, you know. What happened in this kalpa that way, in that kalpa, well, there's some scope for saying that, but what's really happening is, is Krishna Leela is in the hearts of the devotees and how they explain it, how they experience it, and how they want to try to express it. And there's going to be nuance and difference, and, uh, and that's good. Uh, academically speaking, one of the features that uh, differentiate traditional uh, and modern approach to uh, Bhakti Mark is Leela Kirtan. And uh, I wonder why this practice uh, tends not to be visible in uh, modern uh, bhakti, Vinod Sparivar school of bhakti. Well, um, I think that um, there's some truth to that. And um, one of the reasons is that there are different forms of kirtan. There are, like, like Sugadeva was known to become perfect by kirtan through the Puranic a narrative, in this case, of, of course, of Srimad Bhagavatam. That's a type of kirtan. Um, and as you say, there's Lila kirtan, Guna kirtan, Rupa kirtan, no. kirtan describing the form of Krishna. You can do kirtan describing the qualities of Krishna. You can just do Nam kirtan, reciting the names of Krishna. You can do kirtan describing re- or retelling the Lila of Krishna, right? But amongst all forms of Leela. Jivagasami makes excuse me. Makes Jivagasami makes the point that Nam Kirtan is most efficacious. And it said, within the name is the root, the guna, the leela, and and also, obviously, the Parsha, the associates of the Lila, all in the name. So, in his Bhakti Sandarbha, therefore, with regard to Kirtan, he emphasizes that first do Nam Kirtan. That will lead naturally to Rupa Gun Lila. So, he gives a progression like this, as he does with Smarnam also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Bhakti Vinotakwa was, of course, involved in a far-reaching and broad campaign. He was dealing with um, probably maybe the first person in Gaudi Sampradaya to deal with people who knew nothing about bhakti, were from other Abrahamic, were from Abrahamic religious traditions, um, from different continents, and so on and so forth. So the breadth of his campaign was uh, very much characterized it um, more so than the depth. Hmm? So when the, when the focus is on the breadth and wide circulation, then the depth is going to be uh, minimized to some extent, otherwise you're not going to be successful. So I think that he emphasized non-kirtan, but, but his own paribara is not without uh, lila kirtan, and he himself penned lila kirtan like, uh, uh, um, what is it, like, uh, Chichini Sarpuri Ladura Sobhari. He describes eating it around on this table. <laughs> and uh, so that's the Lila Kirtan. <laughs> so there, he has to pen some Lila Kirtans. But um, 
and we're not against them. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, he, he, I think he made this, and I emphasize this point, Namkirtan, Namkirtan. And, uh, and that's the, uh, the, uh, the way of the, of the age, right? But we have uh, also um, composed some Lila Kirtan. So the Manavak was singing Lila Kirtan in the evening in the morning for Daoji Gopal. We sing Lila Kirtan here in the morning, Gaur Lila Kirtan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're not against it. Maharaj, can I just one, one thing which follows from your answer, which I, of course I understand and I like it. But the idea is that Sangita as a song is slightly different than Padavai as a Vaishnava Kavya. So Lila Kirtan is mostly about Padavais, and we don't see that we are using any Padavais even in Sri Chaitanya Sangha. Uh, so, so, so I meant saying Lila Kirtan. Lila Kirtan um, is not about like writing new songs or just um, being creative in this regard, but also uh, for using Padavalis as a, as a kind of uh, scripture. Because this Vaishnava Kavya is also considered by those traditional schools as kind of scripture. So, what do you mean we use Vaishnava Kavya? Uh, the Bhagavatam is, is Kavya. No, no, no. But Padavalis as yeah. a... Yeah, I employ them in my writing and, and I quite cite them in okay. my work, but we're not against that. No, 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 I know. No, I just wanted to say that that from like this perspective, academical perspective, when they say about Lila Kirtan, they, they meant Padavalis and use of Padavalis. Why they say it like this? They say also that for Western sensibility, Lila Kirtan might be too hard to understand, to follow, because you don't understand the language. That's the first, the first um, uh, idea. And they, the language used in Padavalis is uh, rather archaic, not modern. So, so, so it, compl- uh, it might. Uh, just I think it's just. Uh, I mean, the language in Chaitanya Charitamrita is archaic as well. Mm-hmm. It's Sadhubhasha. So you go talk to your average Bengali in Sadhubhasha, they didn't want to know what you're talking about. Any more than someone who comes comes to California and starts speaking old English, not you know. So I think it's just a matter of them being translated, and, okay. and you know the work of the sampradaya, you know, with regard to its its uh, just mis- dissemination to other places outside of Bengal, to other languages. Um, there are more important things to translate first, perhaps you know the first, uh, you know. Major thrust in that direction was Prabhupada's translation of the Bhagavatam, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and so forth. But uh, we should get around to all those Padmavis as well. I cited some in my book. So, what else? Been nice with us. Sit with all of you. What is the time? <coughs> Pardon? Okay, I think we should stop. We want to take lunch soon, and we have to go visit the Queen of Poland. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Mother Mary Go <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
Dai, 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 dai,